0: Hey listeners, I'm recording this near the end of January, right as we are approaching the Sabbath of Imbolc. Today we'll be discussing why neo pagans, witches, Wiccans, the whole group, how <laughs> why we all celebrate Imbolc, which is part of the Wheel of the Year. Now, you may or may not have heard of the Wheel of the Year, which celebrates the movement of the seasons between the solstices, equinoxes, and spaces in between. If any of the terms that I mentioned seem unfamiliar, Don't worry, I'll go through them in more detail in a bit. However, if you are familiar with these terms, then you probably have some questions that have gone unasked. For instance, do we have to follow the Wheel of the Year rigidly on those specific days? What if you live in the Southern Hemisphere? Do you still celebrate Imbolc, even though it's getting closer to fall than to spring where you're at? Or do you celebrate Lulunasa, which is on the opposite end of the Wheel of the Year? how can you make the celebration of the wheel of the year relevant if your seasons don't line up with those eight sabbats exactly and then last but not least when it comes to the wheel of the year and the sabbats are they truly ancient are they a modern invention or are they a modern reinterpretation it's time to examine these questions and more so sit back get your favorite beverage and get ready for this episode of spiritual af sundays cheese and bread Examining Imbolc and Lunasa. You're listening to Spiritual AF Sundays, created and hosted by the Mystic Geek. If you're looking to explore intriguing questions about the meaning of life and our place in the universe, then you're in the right spot. We dive into topics often discussed as sound bites on social media and take a deeper look. Whether it's woo topics like astrology and mysticism or seemingly mundane matters like technology and politics, we cover it all. We explore our own thoughts and beliefs, talk to experts, and uncover hidden meanings. These fascinating areas of exploration can help us question ourselves and better understand our world. Ready to grow and explore in your spiritual journey? We're glad you can join us. It's time to start your week off by being Spiritual AF. And welcome back listeners. This is Jessica, also known as the Mystic Geek. And today we're going to be talking about the Wheel of the Year, specifically two points in the Wheel of the Year known as Imbolc and as Lunasa. So if you're new to all this, you're probably wondering, well, what is the Wheel of the Year? In pagan traditions, and I would consider pagan, neo-pagan, various forms of witchcraft and Wicca, this Wheel of the Year is a cycle of celebrations or festivals that mark the change of the seasons. Now they're known as eight sabbats or sabbats depending on how your dialect, which are the four major points of the equinoxes and the solstices and then also what we call the cross quarters. Various groups will consider those cross quarters or the times between the seasons to be the major sabbats, whereas the solstices and the equinoxes are known as the minor sabbats. And major or minor, they don't really mean a whole lot when it comes to significance. I, I don't even know why they're considered major or minor. Probably I should look that up since I am studying some of this stuff, but whatever. So where does this concept come from? I'm going to give you the apocryphal lore side of it. It's believed that the Wheel of the Year originated from the celebrations of ancient Celtic tradition, where they would look and honor different seasonal events throughout the year. And these celebrations were meant to mark the passages of time, with each Sabbath representing a point in the cycle. But... In reality, a lot of this really didn't come into public awareness until about the 1950s, 1960s-ish, thanks to a couple of different individuals, one being Gerald Gardner, who started Gardnerian Wicca, and then the other one being Ross Nichols of the Order of Bards, Ovids, and Druids. It's through their writings that the whole idea of these quarter and cross quarter celebrations really came into public awareness and helped fuel the celebrations within the neo-pagan movement. So if you're vaguely familiar with the Wheel of the Year, you probably have questions. And I had similar questions when I was first starting to study this concept. And I'll share with you the questions that I had and some of the things that I discovered through my own studies and through my own meditations so first and foremost according to the lore on this the wheel of the year centers around the celebrations that were based on the seasons within Celtic culture and Gerald Gardner was not from the United States he was from Britain so there is that climate of that area as well the seasons there even though they're pretty close to the seasons where i live in in minnesota they're not quite the same to, when it comes to time frame so for instance beginning of february when we're looking at the british isles that area is starting to get a bit warmer it's starting to get above freezing range so that's normally would be the time that people are looking and saying oh this is so close to spring whereas here in Minnesota it can snow and have blizzards all the way up until mid-April or even early May so it's hard for us to see the beginning of February as a time to think oh spring is on its way above and beyond the number of days above freezing level being a little bit higher than average Other than that, there's not really that whole sign. We don't have plants starting to emerge yet. I mean, heck, my backyard right now has a foot of snow in it. So it's like, how do you reconcile these? So when we look at these archetypes that are out there, like for instance, the Wheel of the Year, it's not so much a marker climate-wise or or weather-wise, but it's more that cycle of reminders of how things in our life grow and then they draw back to rest and then they grow again. So there's bits of emolk that I can celebrate and there's some that I can't that are more weather specific and that's perfectly okay. There's the issue that because of where the Wheel of the Year really kicked off and gained popularity and where it became a cultural driver, it's very North Hemisphere centric. Looking at the weather cycles, the seasonal cycles of the Northern Hemisphere, and I know there's a lot of people in the Southern Hemisphere who identify as Neopagan or who are interested in Neopagan spirituality, so that begs the question of where does that leave them, especially where your weather and your seasons may not match. Like Up here in the Northern area, it is winter going into spring, Where in the Southern Hemisphere, it is summer going into fall. So different type overall. And there's two ways that you can handle it. One is that you could still go through the cycle of the wheel of the year, based on the Gregorian calendar, based on how it's celebrated through the Northern hemisphere, or you can flip it, meaning that instead of Imbolc, which is that halfway point between winter and spring, you would instead celebrate Lunasa, which is that halfway point between summer and fall. Before we go further, there are two books that I want to share with you. These are resources I found on figuring out how to integrate the Wheel of the Year into my life, even if the weather in my area does not quite line up with the symbolic meanings of the various Sabbaths in the Wheel of the Year. And one of them is called Weave the Liminal, Living, Modern, Traditional Witchcraft by Laura Tempest-Zachroff. And then the other one is known as Year of the Witch connecting with nature's seasons through intuitive magic by temperance alden and both of them are amazing I've read both I actually have year of the witch in both kindle format as well as an audiobook format so that I can listen to it while going around and handling various things both of them have been really good and helping me figure out how to Again, reconcile the subtle energies of the seasons with what I'm experiencing in my physical space and learning how to truly honor the changing of the seasons within my own craft. I think I covered what I consider to be the big sticking points for me. If you have any, feel free to follow up. My contact info is in the show notes. Otherwise, you can hit me up on social media. And with that, I think we're actually ready to talk about involk. So what is Imbolc? This is that Sabbath that happens between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. So February 1st is the calendar date. If you really wanna be stringent astrologically, it is the day that the sun is at 15 degrees Aquarius. If you're not familiar with astrological charts, I know there are some sites out there that will calculate this for you. How to explain Imbol. The way that I would introduce Imbolc is to bring up what I consider to be the mythic mindset. So thinking back to before we had heaters, before we had furnace, before we had central air, when we were very agrarian, what was winter like? How did our ancestors survive the winter? And for those who lived in agricultural society, which is a lot of people up until the 1800s, what would happen is these families would store up food during the harvest season that they would then eat during the winter because at that point in time, you can't go to the grocery store and hunting is hit or miss, literally, in addition to you don't know if there's going to be snowstorms ongoing and if it was going to be possible to even hunt. So you had to build up these storehouses of dried, smoked, salt-cured foods. And then in addition to that, your family probably had different animals they took care of, like cows, chickens, goats, the like. And it's much easier to have those animals in the house with you than to try and have a barn that you may or may not be able to get to. So now this house is starting to get cramped because it's not only you and your family and your food but it's also your livestock and their food as well. So you have all these different things that are going on and again they did not have furnaces back then. These houses were kept warm by a mix of body heat and fire. So imagine what would happen if that fire went out and no one knew how to bring it back or on the flip side if the fire went out of control and burnt the house down that's peril for everyone that's basically certain death if they weren't able to get help all these different things there was a lot of uncertainty getting through the winter was a big deal and when we start getting towards springtime when we start getting closer to that you're seeing the daylight increase. You're seeing the weather get warmer. If you have livestock, many of those livestock, including sheep, are considered late-term breeders, meaning that they breed in the fall and have their babies in late winter, early spring. So what would happen is in these households, their animals would give birth and they the animals would lactate. So after months of only having the dried food, the dried meat, the dried vegetables, the fermented foods, the salted foods, when your animals gave birth, there was now fresh milk for you and your family. So this was like the first fresh food that you had after months. Now imagine for those of us who live in an industrialized world, if we only had dried meat, dried jerky, dried vegetables, Maybe canned foods, though technically they did not have canning way back until the 1800s. Imagine being on all these different things no refrigerator, no freezer, no microwave, no delivery service. You're living on all these things day in and day out, and all of a sudden now you have something fresh that you have available, and you become very grateful for surviving the harshness of winter and seeing the newness of spring on the horizon. That is a reason to celebrate. So I can see why our ancestors had these feelings, they had these celebrations about, congrats, we made it through the harshness of winter. The other aspect of this is it's not just the animals that are giving birth. If you follow the Celtic seasons, if you follow the Celtic celebrations. Beltane, which is in May, that's the time of romance. That's the time of coupling. Couples that consummated during that time frame, nine months later, were hitting up on beginning of February, beginning of Imbolc. So right as the weather is getting warmer, that is when the babies are being born. If they were born earlier, they might not survive the harshness of winter. So it's that timing that's coming into play as well. So you have a lot of birth that's going on during that time frame. You have the renewal, the new life that's coming through, the new seasons. There's a lot that's going on in that day-to-day life that you can take a look at and just be marveled by and want to celebrate and want to honor those moments. Along the lines with Imbolc, there is, in Celtic lore, a goddess that is a perfect fit for this, and that is the goddess Bridget. That's one of the pronunciations of her name. There are others, I don't want to butcher them, so I'm just going to go with what it, English would be phonetically Bridget. And Bridget is known as the goddess of the eternal flame she does have three aspects to herself she is the goddess of the hearth which in this type of situation fits because the hearth is what kept everyone alive during the winter she is the goddess of the forge and then she's also the goddess of creative and transforming fire we're talking about like new beginnings new transformation so the new births the birth of the children whether we're talking about the human children or the livestock, the days becoming longer, the weather becoming warmer, that transformation of the world from being cold and barren to having life Those are all aspects of her. And that's why she is one of the central figures, if not the central figure for the Sabbath of Imbolc. She was so significant to Irish culture that when the Christians arrived to try and Christianize the area, they had to canonize her as a saint they had to come up with this rewritten lore around her where she was the midwife to mary when jesus was born that's how we have saint bridget in christian basically christian mythology that's the easiest way that i can put it or explain it there so that is where she comes into this now with Imbolc, there's a couple of different practices that come up. Uh, if we're looking purely at like the neo-pagan side of it, there is the corn dollies. So if you're wondering where you got the corn, you got the corn during the previous harvest season. And you go and you build like a little poppet or a little dolly of it to represent Rigid. And you put her in, a. you have the corn dollies in the bed as a way of basically having your altar to honor her. This is the time where symbolically, It's fresh, we can finally open the doors. It is seen as the start of spring cleaning season. So at that point, much like what we would do, it is declutter time. Everything that we don't want, it is a perfect time to move it out so that we can freshen our space and open things up for the new year. In addition to that, because of Bridget's affinity to flame, another way of honoring her is through the lighting of candles and bringing in light to remind ourselves of the increase of light, the increase of sunlight. It's no coincidence that Mass, the Christian holiday of Mass, is February 2nd, so it's right in line with Imbolc. All right, now that we talked about Imbolc, let's talk about its counterpart on the Wheel of the Year known as Lunasa. Lunasa is at that halfway point between summer and fall. So we're looking at around August 1st. Though if you want to be astrologically nitpicky, then you're looking at about 15 degrees Leo. The name comes from the Celtic God Lu, who is a solar deity. He's also a harvest deity. He is also known for lots of sports and games and things that are considered traditionally style masculine. So feats of strength, heroic sort of things that are out there. Yeah. So he's he is quite a figure when you look at him up in Celtic mythology, and so is his son slash incarnation Cuhullin. Definitely recommend, if you want some fun reading, check out the Toyn, I don't know how to wants the rest of it, I just call it the Toyn, The Cattle Raid of Coolidge, where Cuhullin, who is Cuh- Lu's son slash Lu's incarnation, is one of the central figures. All sorts of fun there. But anyways, back to Lunasa. So Lunasa is one of the three harvest festivals within Celtic culture. The other two being Mabin, which is the fall equinox, and Samhain, which is that halfway point between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. With Lunasa, this is that first harvest. To truly understand it, remember that Back before we had supermarkets, back before we had supply chains, your food came from the land that you were on. Meaning that once those seeds went in the ground, you had to wait until those seeds had fully grown, those plants came out of the ground, and those plants matured. So up until that time, you were eating a lot of dairy from the cows, You were eating the last of the stock of the prior year's grain. You had meat, you had various other types of plants, but you did not have fresh grain. And that's where Lunasa came in, is those first harvest, the first vegetation that was available, the freshness and recognizing that not only had the harvest come, but the harvest was still coming. There was still more of the growing season that your bounty was going through. It was a time of celebration. And to honor the god Lu during that time frame, there were lots of games of strength, lots of competitions that were going on as well. There were sacrifices of some of those first fruits to honor the deities that the people saw as the ones who helped bring this forward. Because If they didn't celebrate it, if they didn't honor it, there was that fear that what would happen if there was suddenly a blight and the rest of that food was gone. Winter was coming. And if they did not have that harvest, not only were they going to have a hard time during the end of summer and the beginning of fall, but they would have a really hard time when it came to winter and they might not survive it. There was a lot of emphasis on bountiful harvest during that time frame since their lives literally depended on it for surviving through the winter. That's where Lunasa comes in as a time frame of gratitude for what you and your community has sown and recognizing that the efforts that you've made up to that point, possibly from the seeds from the beginning ideas and work that you started all the way back in Imholk that that was coming to fruition and that you were able to reap that harvest. This is also one of the holidays that got adopted by Christianity. Instead of Lunasa, they call it Lamas or Loaf Mass. It's a Christian holiday that celebrates the first fruits of the harvest. Go figure. Looking back at the spiritual side of Lunasa, not to jump too much on a tangent-wise, it's not just recognizing the gods as the ones who are providing and giving the support. There's also emphasis when it came to recognizing the lives of the plants. There actually is a modern personification, John Barleycorn, who's used as the personification of that harvest and of the sacrifice that comes from it. Because in a lot of those cases, when you're looking at the vegetables, the fruits, the grains. Those plants sometimes were just completely pulled out of the ground. Other times they had to be cut down. So those plants died. They sacrificed themselves for the good of the community and for the good of the people who needed that food. Again, is an honoring and a recognizing of our connection to the land. Nowadays we can go to a supermarket. Our food can come from all over the country. Heck, all over the world. So It's hard for us to recognize what it was like back at that point in time when those luxuries did not exist. And it's important for us to also have gratitude for what is available to us. And that's one of the, I would say, is one of the biggest aspects of Lunasa. It's not the Americanized Thanksgiving that's the time of thanks. It's Lunasa and the ability to see the efforts of our work come to fruition and to know that not only is it our efforts or the God's efforts, but it's also the land's efforts that are helping with our continued survival. So as we wrap up today's episode, I feel it's important to reiterate with the wheel of the year that it's not 100% thou must do it this way or thou must do it that way in order to be a good pagan or a good witch, when it comes down to it, it's a you-do-you type of thing. It's a great framework for understanding the subtle energies of the world around us. So as a pagan who's also an occultist, I believe in the concept of as above, so below, or as within, so without. This is the framework where what goes on in our inner world is mirrored in the outer world, and what's going on in the outer world is mirrored in the inner world just because the weather outside is not aligned with what a tradition says for an agrarian seasonal holiday cycle. It's not the end of the world. Focus more on what's going within versus what's going on outside of your house. I hope that bit of rambling makes sense. By engaging in these cyclical practices and recognizing that the world is ever-changing, things are ending and beginning, over and over again we can attune those cycles to the cycles of our lives. We can break free of this hustle where we just live day in day out and we really don't feel connected to the world and get to that point where we can fully embrace that world around us or at least be more aware of what is happening there. Hope that made sense. I've been more rambly here this time around because I went with an outline instead of really doing a script or whatnot so we'll see how this model goes i'm curious of what you think on it whether it's the whole wheel of the year in bulk NASA, my speaking style there are a couple of ways that you can get a hold of me one is by going and emailing me at jess at the and then the other way is by going to speakpipe.com slash the mystic geek that is where you can leave me a voicemail without necessarily having to call because calling is weird and this gives you that chance to rehearse a couple times before hitting send because I know sometimes we all get weird about that. So what is coming up in the future? February 5th, which is a week from now, I'm going to be nerding out about the secret. So I've been slowly slogging through this book so that you don't have to in order to be able to share a witch's perspective on what is in there. Spoiler alert, this came up in the first few pages it's dealing with the law of attraction and I'm really hoping there's more to it but we will see and you will hear my thoughts on it and then we will be on episode number nine and for that I still haven't figured it out so I will let you know when I figure it out I still don't know whether I'm going to be like soapboxing or I will figure out another topic I hope you enjoyed this today's episode and again be spiritual af go out Enjoy weather and the seasons, wherever it is like in your area. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for Spiritual AF Sundays. This show is hosted by The Mystic Geek. That's me. Got comments or questions from today's episode? You can either email me at jess at themysticgeek.com or send me a voice message at speakpipe.com slash the mystic geek. Don't worry, I'll put the link in the show notes. Help others start off their week with a spiritual AF Sunday by sharing this episode with them. Also, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts help spiritual seekers find our show. So do the thing.